I'll tell you, we could, uh, Kim and I could really uh, feel all the prayer coverage. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we were in Florida last week to visit my brother, and we got a visit by Ian. So uh, we got stranded in Florida, and uh, my brother's house is actually located in Sanford, which is a few miles north of Orlando. So we were more central Florida. So we didn't get the brunt of it, but, you know, my, my brother... His house uh, sustained just minor damage, and uh, we did experience cell service loss. Oh, no. And also power outage for about 36 hours, which was uh, a, a real bummer. But we certainly didn't get it as bad as folks on the coast. They're still dealing with that. We need to keep those people in our prayers. They got hit extremely hard there on that west coast. So let's keep them in our prayers. So I had planned to bring a message this Sunday, but I wasn't this last Sunday, but I wasn't able to be here. So I'm bringing that message tonight. All right. Message that I'm calling help for the Christian. And if you got your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 14. I will put that verse up on screen tonight, though, if that would be more convenient for you just to see it up here on the screen. Let's. Pray together. Lord, I ask your blessing upon this time. I thank you for the time that you've given us. I thank you for your protection. I thank you for your sovereignty. I thank you that you promise never to leave us or to forsake us. I thank you that you empower us. Pray that you would speak to us so clearly tonight about your spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't believe anyone who tries to tell you that living the Christian life is easy. Living the Christian life is not easy breezy. Living the Christian life can be very easy. Difficult. God has given us a big task to accomplish. We're to take the gospel to the ends of the world, making disciples all over the, the world. This summer, we went through the engagement project and we learned about how we are all called to be personal witnesses for Jesus Christ consistently, day by day, to your neighbors, your co workers, those people that you frequent quite a bit. Daily, we're to live these transformed, fruitful, powerful lives in front of them. We're to be these constant beacons of hope, shining, salty, day in, day out. And we're to be those who are able to actually share the gospel with people as we have opportunity. As they notice our different lives and they have questions, we need to have all the skill and the ability to share the gospel and we need to do that consistently and we need to do that despite all of the pressures and hardships that we face here in this world in a fallen world and we need to do that despite all the opposition the persecution that we encounter by the enemy it's a lot of responsibility God has required a lot of us but here's the amazing thing about the Christian faith 
you get a lot of help. In fact, we are not called to live the Christian life on our own effort. In fact, really, we shouldn't even attempt to live the Christian life in our own strength. God has given us, listen, supernatural power to do all of that and more. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember that promise that Jesus made to his disciples in the upper room before he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He'd been telling his disciples all night, I'm leaving. I've got to go. And where I'm going, you can't follow. But he made this promise to them. He said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now that is an amazing promise. Jesus promised to give us another helper. And it's important to see the magnitude of this promise That word, another, there's two Greek words that are translated another in English. One of the Greek words is heteros, which means another of a different kind. Another Greek word is alos, which means another of the same kind. So let's say that You had a friend who needed a watch, and you let him borrow your brand-new, state-of-the-art Apple Watch. And so he brought your watch, he borrowed it, and he smashed it. And he said, that's okay, I'm going to replace it. I'm going to give you another watch, and he brings you a $5 Casio from Kmart, Blue Light Special. That would be another watch, heteros, another of a different kind. Now, if he was a real good friend, what would he do? He'd give you the exact same watch that he broke. That would be another of the same kind. Now, understand, that is the word that Jesus uses here. Another helper, Alice. Another helper just like me. Jesus said, I've been helping you. I'm going to leave, but I'm going to give you another helper just like me. And he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is another helper just like Jesus. Jesus is basically saying of the Holy Spirit, he will do in my absence what I would do if I were physically present with you. The Holy Spirit promised to you. And look what else it says. It says, he's going to abide with you forever. He will dwell with you and he will be in you. Jesus promised, I'm sending the Spirit. He'll abide with you forever, dwell with you and actually be in you. And Jesus made good on that promise. Acts chapter 2, 
Pentecost, the birth of the church. What happened on that day? The disciples were gathered. Jesus had told them to wait in that upper room for the promise of the Spirit. And on that day, the Holy Spirit was poured out, tongues of fire, divided, came upon each man and woman. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they became brand new people. Spirit-filled. You know what they did. They started preaching. They began doing miracles. God's anointing was upon them. God used them in amazing ways by his helper who came to live in them. And gang, that is the mark of the church. The church was born at the day of Pentecost. And ever since that, in the church age, the Holy Spirit of God himself resides in the life of every single born-again believer in Jesus Christ. The moment you give your life to the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. Paul's clear. He says, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. The question that that Paul asks in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. I I would ask that, do you not know that as a born-again Christian, you're a temple of God and the Holy Spirit lives in you? That's an astounding truth. That's something that we should be mindful of. The Holy Spirit in us. You could literally say in a real sense, as Jesus walked with those disciples, so the Holy Spirit walks with us in us. In fact, you could even think of it this way. We have better access to God in the church age with the Holy Spirit living inside us than the disciples had when Jesus was here walking among them. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He's your helper. You are to be mindful of him. You are to be dependent upon him. You are to allow him to govern every area of your life. I've always loved this little illustration. Here I have a glove. This glove can't do anything by itself. If I put a hand in the glove, now it moves, right? You, the Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. He's to move in and through your life. And we have to make room for the hand so that every finger in the glove is filled. And he will empower you and help you 
to live the Christian life. As you depend upon the Holy Spirit, listen, he will help you in every stage of development as a born-again Christian. He'll empower every area of growth in your life. You know, as Christians, we're called to pray. Everyone knows that, right? We're supposed to have a prayer life. Did you know that the Holy Spirit wants to help your prayer life? Romans 8, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. We don't know what we should pray for, as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit helps us pray, energizes our prayer life, lights it up. You know, there are times where I don't feel like praying. I don't have the energy. But I found that if I'll start, the Holy Spirit will give me energy. There are times where I don't know what to pray. And I say, Spirit, what should I pray for? And he will lead you. He'll make intercession for you. I want you to remember that when you have those alone times with the Lord, like I think you should. You should consistently have those alone times with the Lord. And a lot of times Christians call that quiet times, but they're, they're not quiet. There's communication happening. And during those times when you're praying, be listening. Dialogue with the Holy Spirit. Let him move your prayer life. You know, the the New Testament teaches that as Christians, we're to pray without ceasing. So we pray all day, every day. And how do we do that? We do that by being aware of the Holy Spirit inside us. Everywhere we go, he's with us. There is a constant dialogue with him. A constant Back and forth, being aware of the Spirit in your life. And as you depend upon Him, not your own strength, watch your prayer life get more and more powerful. The Holy Spirit, I believe, also helps in in the corporate prayer life. As Christians were to get together and pray regularly, and we should certainly do that. And I'll tell you what, when you get together and you're praying with brothers and sisters in Christ, before you get into it, maybe your first prayer should be, Holy Spirit, take over this prayer meeting. Lead it. Lead our prayers. Listen for his prompting. Tell you what, spirit-filled Christians praying spirit-filled prayers together. Whoa. I always love the story in Acts chapter 4 where Peter and John, they're preaching, they're arrested, they're taken before the religious leaders, they're beaten, they're let go, but they're told, don't go out and preach Jesus anymore. Well, Acts 4 says they went and they had a prayer meeting. They got together and they prayed. Spirit-filled men and women praying spirit-filled prayers. 
And it says in Acts 4, after they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they went out and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit helping your prayer life. Depend upon him for that. The Holy Spirit will empower you with the ability to understand the Bible. Did you know that? To understand truth. Jesus made this promise also in the upper room to his disciples. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth where he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. There were a lot of things at that moment in the upper room that the disciples, they could not understand. They weren't ready for it. They didn't have the spirit. But after Pentecost, when the pouring of the spirit took place and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they're completely different. They're able to bear truth. And the Holy Spirit would guide them into all truth. In fact, those apostles, the early church period, got the truth, wrote the truth down in these books that we call the New Testament, all through the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is not inspiring us to write books of Scripture. Don't come up to me and say, I've just started a new New Testament letter. I'm calling it First Scott. I'm not going to take that. The canon of Scripture is closed. Today, the Holy Spirit illuminates the Word of God. Helps you to understand it. Makes it clear. Jesus gave this promise in John 14. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Do you believe that? You know, when you think about attending a university or a college, a lot of times they'll talk about the student-to-teacher ratio. And the lower that is, the better, right? You have better access to the teacher. Did you know in the Christian life, there's a one-to-one teaching ratio with you? The Holy Spirit seeks to be your very own personal tutor. To teach you the scripture. Now, I like to think about that every time I I read the Bible in my quiet time. Spirit, what are you teaching? Show, illuminate, reveal, encourage, equip, nourish, lead, warn, convict, show me, teach me, I want more. It says that he'll also bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. You know, the more you study the Bible in a dependence upon the Holy Spirit, the more you're going to understand it and the more you're going to remember it. So you're going to study the Bible and as you go about your day and, and, and living your life, people will ask you for advice. 
hey, you got any counsel on this? And you're going to remember, the Holy Spirit will remember, help you to remember biblical truth, biblical counsel. Or maybe a verse that someone needs. Or maybe it's time for you to witness and the Holy Spirit will give you a verse. Or maybe you're going through a difficult time that day and the, and the Holy Spirit will hey, remember this verse. He'll guide you literally. He'll lead you and teach you into all truth. You know, I've said before, the greatest app on the phone for me is Google Maps. And I love to be able to say, Siri, take me to so-and-so, right? And I, I got to have that voice. That's, I don't need any of this turn south or not, turn right or left. Go right down the road. Give me step-by-step directions from A to B. Because I am challenged, that's my wife, about getting around. But I'll tell you what, having that onboard GPS system. Do you understand that as a born-again Christian, you have an onboard spiritual guide, personal tutor, who is seeking to navigate every move you make? Do you depend upon him? Have you forgotten about him? He will empower you. To understand the word. You know, as Christians, we're also supposed to spend a lot of time at church and fellowship. Getting to know one another. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he will help you to experience and enter into true fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember, Jesus gave us that command. We're to love one another as Christ loved us. And so that's a big part of the church where we get together and we love one another and we care for one another and we serve one another. The Holy Spirit gives us that power, that love. Romans 5 verse 5, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Look at that. As a born again Christian, The supernatural agape love of God has been poured out into your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. It says in 1 John 4, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. Again, the spirit of God is connected to the love that you have For one another. I'll tell you. There are times where it's hard for us to love one another. There are times where we irritate each other. Right? Being honest. There are times where we have difficulty getting along. And and this love. This caring for one another is supernatural. And you'll be able to do it. You'll be able to pull it off by the power of. Of the Holy Spirit, the helper. Remember also that fellowship in church is not just about us loving one another. It's also about us cooperating together. Doing the work that God has called the church to do together, corporately. 
And remember that it's in church where you learn kind of where your gifts are in the body and, and, and God's calling upon your life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Do you understand that the helper, the Holy Spirit in your life as a Christian has gifted you. And has called you into a specific calling and function for your life within the body of Christ. And you find that as you go out there and you try things out in your local body and in church. And you're depending upon the Holy Spirit in that. Oh, depend on God for fellowship. Depend upon the Holy Spirit for prayer. Depend upon the Holy Spirit for understanding biblical truth. Don't forget about him. Never leaves you or forsakes you. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit empowers you to be a witness for Jesus Christ out there in the world. This wonderful promise, again, that Jesus made. To the apostles, right before he ascended into heaven, he told his guys, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, right before that, he had basically given the Great Commission. Go out into all the world, preach the good news. Make disciples of the nation. That's a tall task. That's a tall task. And he didn't say, start doing that right away. In Acts chapter 1, he says, go to the upper room and hang out and wait for the promise. I promise you that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In other words, guys, don't do it yet. This is not a task for people without the Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Now go. And boy, did they go. Boy, did they preach. Boy, did God use them. I'll tell you what. You you study the lives of the apostles in the Gospels, and you you just kind of have to shake your head. How did God even pick those guys? Some of the things that they did and said, they were goofy, right, in many respects and then you study the lives of those same men in the book of Acts and they are used mighty they're mighty vessels in the hand of God why the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit depending upon the Holy Spirit they preached They performed miracles. They were gifted. All of these incredible things. My brother and sister in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in your life to empower you as a witness. 
And this is for every Christian. You know, there's a lot of folks in the church that sort of see there's certain people that go out and they're the witnesses and, you know, they're the evangelists. No, no, no. You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness. So remember what we talked about. You, you go out into your community and your day by day, your neighbors, the people you, you see day by day, and you live that incredibly different life in front of them. You live the fruitful Christian life. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So the, the Holy Spirit begins working in you and you depend upon him day by day, moment by moment. You're, you're depending upon him in every discipline of Christian growth and he changes you. He makes you different. He makes your life attractive for the kingdom of heaven. And it's not by your strength. It's by your dependence upon him and your reliance upon him. And then what happens? People take notice. They want to know what makes you tick. You're given opportunities to share. And then the Holy Spirit helps you to share. He will give you just the right words to say. I can remember early on, I was afraid to to share my faith with people. And and I I learned that just get that first word out. Uh, You know, just say, uh, start saying that one word and the Holy Spirit will take over and give you the words that need to be said to that person. It's supernatural. You'll find the Holy Spirit Using you. He will empower you. And it's available, that power, for every single one of us. So, prayer, understanding Bible, interaction with brothers and sisters in Christ, interaction with the world. I could add, you could add to the list. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be the best Christian husband that you can possibly be, the best Christian wife, the best Christian father, mother, son, brother, friend, worker. All of that by the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus, we're talking a lot about the promises that he made. This probably is one of the most radical promises that Jesus made in the upper room. He told his disciples, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Jesus promised to his people because I go away and the helper will come. You'll do greater things than I did. Now, you've got to scratch your head and think, wait a minute, man. He raised people from the dead. He healed people. He fed the multitudes. How in the world are his people going to do greater things than that? Well, I want you to think about it. 
maybe not necessarily greater in miracles, but greater in quantity and influence. Think of every single born-again Christian on planet Earth today, all over the globe, filled with the Holy Spirit. Representing Christ and the Holy Spirit still doing miracles through his people, teaching through his people, evangelizing through his people, loving through his people. I think in in, in kind of a, a strange sense, when Jesus was here, all that power was localized in him, one man. He could only be certain places, right? With the church now. With every member filled with the Holy Spirit. The power is distributed. Greater works. God has empowered you right where he's placed you. In your community, in your job, in in your office, in your neighborhood. And all of us are empowered in that way. You know, I mentioned being in Florida during the hurricane, and my, my brother's house did not get a whole lot of damage. But we did lose power for 36 hours, and I discovered how utterly helpless and weak I am without power. And, and I just want to remind you kind of what life looks like without power. First of all, there is no light. There is no light. My brother had a few candles. We lit up a few rooms. But there were a lot of rooms that were pitch dark. And you go out on the back porch and you go out into the neighborhood. We didn't do it because of the wind and the rain. But I'll tell you, look out there and it was pitch black. Now, we were all cool thinking, well, we got our phones. We can use the flashlight app. But then they started losing their charge. How do you charge your phone? No light. There is absolutely no communication outside. So the phones go out. No cell service. All the towers went down. No TV, no news. You know, that was one of the weirdest parts about for that first day there when you're going through a hurricane and you have no way of knowing what's happening. No communication. It's a weird feeling. It's kind of a helpless feeling. Loss of refrigeration. We were really glad that we got a few bags of ice and we pulled some of the food out of the, the refridge, and my brother had a, a, a cooler, and we put it and loaded it down with ice, and we kept most of the food, you know, good. But really, after 36 hours, a lot of it, some of it had to be thrown out. You, you'd be amazed. What happens if you don't have refrigeration? All the water in our house, most of that was mechanical. The toilet still worked. Faucet still worked. 
But what happens when the water treatment plant stops working? And what happens when you've drank your last bottle of water? Transportation was shut down. Everywhere we went for days, there was no gas. Nothing. I felt it for 36 hours. I'm a wimp. Imagine if all the power in El Paso went out for two weeks. One month. I got to tell you, society would collapse around here, wouldn't it? It would descend into chaos. Civil men and women would become savage monsters. It's incredible how much we have become dependent upon power. It's hard for me to believe that for most of human history, mankind lived without electricity. They did. They actually did, right? And they found ways. But we've gotten so used to it. When the power goes out, man, there are issues. Let me tell you, if you are not depending upon the Holy Spirit, there's a power outage in your life, spiritually. Cell service has gone out, spiritually. This has got to be front and center. You can't be light on your own. The Holy Spirit lights you up. When's the last time you depended upon the Lord for that? If you're not dependent upon the Holy Spirit, communication breakdown between you and God. You're not being nourished. You're not being fed properly. Not dependent upon the Holy Spirit, your love for one another breaks down. It is absolutely essential that we live in dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And it's important that we remember that regularly. What would happen if the church, the local church, stopped depending upon the Holy Spirit? Better question, do you think a big portion of the church in America has stopped depending upon the Holy Spirit? Man, you talk about a spiritual power outage. A whole community in the dark. The local church, and I pray this so much, our local church, I pray that it is a spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-dependent church comprised of spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-dependent Christians down to every one of us. As you're depending upon him, he will help you. Don't forget he's with you. Have that constant dialogue with him. 
I'd like to close our time together in a couple of ways. First, would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? My first question to you is, your head bowed, your eyes closed, is have you become a temple of the Holy Spirit? That only is possible through salvation, through faith in Jesus Christ. Have you, have you come to a place in your life where you understand why Christ came, what he did at the cross? That we are sinners by birth, Our sins separate us from God, but God in his love and grace sent his son to to take the place, to, to pay the price, to take the punishment for sin at the cross. And he rose again that third day. And you can be forgiven. You can become a member of the family of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit, but you must place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, to become a member of his family. Have you done that? If you haven't, then I want you to have that opportunity right now. Right now. And if that's you, I just want to lead you in this real simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I confess that I am a sinner and I need to be forgiven. So save me and fill me with your spirit. Make me one of yours. And now, The second thing, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I just want you to consider, has Christianity gotten really dry for you? Have you lost that zeal? Does God use you anymore? Have you forgotten about the Holy Spirit? You know, Jesus called him the living water. The living water that refreshes your soul. He's that living water that refreshes you and gushes forth from your life. Has Christianity become more of your thing and your effort? Now, you need, you need to be utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit, utterly, day by day. Perhaps as a Christian, you've sort of turned away from your Christian walk. 
Maybe you've backslidden. And the Holy Spirit lives inside you. He's not going to exit your body, but you can grieve him. And you can quench him. Maybe you just need to return to the Lord. Repent, get right. I just want to give you a few silent moments. And you cry out to God. You ask him. So, Father, thank you so much tonight for the reminder of these promises that are available to us day by day. Lord, forgive us when we make it all theory and not practical. Forgive us, Lord, when we fail to see the supernatural element in our walk with you how desperately we need you pray that you would encourage each one here tonight fill us afresh in Jesus name amen in fact I'd like you to all to stand and I've put up on screen this is an, an old hymn that's been sung I hope you guys and gals Know the melody. I'm going to do my best. No harmonies, please. That'll mess me up. No, I'm just kidding. But this is a prayer, and I want to sing through it several times.